Welcome to Up Next with Tommy Lee, with influential Christian leaders sharing their passions and purpose in personal conversations. And now, founder and president of Resource Global, managing partner of Barnabas Group Chicago, and your host on Up Next, Tommy Lee. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, My name is Noah Chung, and today Tommy is on an assignment and is unfortunately able to make it uh, to this interview. But today we are joined with Dr. John Feuder. Hey, Noah. And also Sandy Hamstra. Hey, Noah. Good to be here. And today our guest is Professor David Iglesias, who is a director of we- at Wheaton Center for Faith, Politics, and Economics. And we're so excited to have him here today and join us. Hey, David. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Hi. Um, David, just to kind of start off, um, as a fellow uh, Wheaton College alum, I would love to kind of hear more about what led you to even uh, kind of your upbringing as, um, and I see that you were born in Panama City, um, born to a missionary family, kind of what led you to uh, your upbringing and also kind of what led you to then choose a, a pathway in law and be an attorney as well? You bet. So my parents were missionaries to Panama, to the uh, Kuna tribe. My father was a tribal member. My mother was a German-American from Minnesota. Long story there, which I can't get into. (laughs) But uh, we we grew up tricultural, and uh, at some point we moved back to the United States. I was raised in uh, Oklahoma and New Mexico, where my parents did home missionary work. My mother was a 1945 Wheaton grad, so I had always heard of Wheaton and uh, came here. Yeah. Yeah, she actually remembered uh, Billy Graham and Ruth Bell dating. Oh, my goodness. Wow, that's <laughs> wow. amazing. That's cool. <laughs> if you can imagine that, yeah. So I oh. always so heard about Wheaton, came here, had four great years, best four years of my single life, learned a lot. Mm. Um, and then um, as I was thinking about uh, professions, my, my sister, one of my older sisters was dating a, a law student who I thought was the coolest guy I'd ever <laughs> met in my life. <laughs> And I just, it was just a simple matter of uh, role modeling. I, I wanted to be him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to law school and, uh, you know, that kind of set into motion a career with ups and downs and turns that I could not have possibly imagined. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I may be one of the few lawyers that actually loved what he did, <laughs> uh, in all, all the different roles. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy to talk about any aspect of my career. Can we get after that a little bit, David? Stuck here. What led you to join the U.S. Navy, become a JAG attorney? That's that's like wow for I think a lot of us that are talking with you now and our listeners as well. What was the backstory yeah, with some of that? So third year of law school, I went to Acapulco, Mexico, and we all know that lots of bad things happen on spring break, mm-hmm. but a really good thing happened to me because the USS New Orleans pulled in the port. It's a helicopter aircraft carrier. Uh, I got a tour of the ship, and it just completely uh, blew my mind. Wow. Uh, and I thought to myself, you know what? I'd like to do this. I'd like, I, I, I knew that the Navy had a legal corps. I'd worked for a uh, private sector lawyer in Albuquerque who had been a Navy JAG officer. So uh, immediately upon uh, taking the bar exam, I went to the recruiter station and signed up for the long process of being selected into the Navy as a JAG officer. Wow. Wow. Um, building on that a little bit, how how did you do that, like with your faith in that role as well, and in in legal circles? H- how did you maybe balance some of that a bit, David? Yeah, uh, as you went yeah, forward. Yeah, yeah. 
So, so these seeds have been planted earlier in life. Uh, what, what I told the Barnabas group is I used to go up into the mountains of Santa Fe and kind of ponder my future as a 17-year-old high school kid. Uh, and I just felt like God had a special plan for me, uh, which, which he would reveal to me in due, in due time. Uh, I wasn't sure what that was other than it would probably be legally or, oriented in some way. Um, but when, when I saw the ship and just the immediate effect it had on me, um, I, I figured this is something that God had deeply planted in my heart. Um, so I figured if I would get in, because there was a security background investigation and, you know, not everybody gets selected. Mm. Uh, so I also thought I'd like to serve my country. I'd like to give back. Um, I have a, a kind of a different story because one parent was an immigrant and one was not, but I, but I certainly saw how God had used the United States in a lot of ways globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just wanted to be part of Team America, and, and, and God gave me the opportunity to, to join that team. Um, and looking back now, uh, you know, it was his will. He opened up the doors and shut doors uh, so that my first job as a lawyer was in the Navy. Um, and I didn't realize I'd be going back 20 years later as a full-time Navy JAG officer wow. as well. Uh, that was something that I'd never even considered possible either. Uh, but, you know, there, there's a great proverb that talks about God. Um, you know, we may uh, choose our steps, but he guides our path. I love that. I like that. Yeah. And, and that certainly was true in, in my career now looking back after almost 35 years. Mm. Well, that's all good. You're listening to Up Next on AM 1160. Uh, my name is Noah, and I'm joined with co-host Dr. John Feuder and Sandy Hampshire. And our guest today is Professor David Iglesias from Wheaton College. Sandy, you had a question for David? Yeah, David, I know a lot of people don't want to talk about politics and faith in the same uh, sentence, but how do you see those two things interacting maybe in your role? Uh, how do they contradict, and how do you sort of uh, compromise some of the differences? Yeah, so so I head up a center in which, uh, in the title, are two things that polite people are not supposed to talk about. <laughs> right. You know, faith and politics. Uh, economics, only economists really know much about that, that mm-hmm. strange world. Um, but so uh, the center was created with the understanding that a lot of politicians in Washington don't understand economics and a lot of economists don't understand politics. Mm-hmm. So the idea was to create a faith-based center in which we would explore that intersection. So uh, my, my job is not to hector people. My job is not to lobby on behalf of one party or the other, or nece- even necessarily uh, specific viewpoints on specific issues, uh, but to bring in speakers to talk about political economy issues. Now, you may ask, what does political economy mean? Well, I asked my colleagues here when I came here four and a half years ago, and they all disagreed. So, <laughs> uh-huh. Still up for debate. So, so let's give you my, my definition. It's, mm-hmm. it's any issue, any national issue that has uh, distinctive political and economic overlap. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, immigration would be a political issue and an economic issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Health care would be uh, something that overlaps. Uh, lots of issues overlap into both spheres. Um, what makes our center different is we look at it from a Christian perspective. So, so we, we believe that God cares about the, the affairs of man. Uh, God cares about the affairs of, uh, of our leaders. Uh, he's given us examples in Scripture of good leaders and evil leaders. Mm-hmm. So we can generally see 
what makes a good leader and what makes a, a, a leader that, that is not good. Uh, so I bring in speakers. I pay for uh, summer internships for Wheaton students. Mm. I uh, help with uh, research costs. Uh, and then I lead overseas study programs where we get to meet political leaders and business leaders and church leaders and discuss the issues going on in those countries. Oh, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome, David. You know, even speaking about Wheaton College, um, being a graduate there about six, seven years ago, I don't actually even rem- I don't think the center was around then. Um, wh- what was kind of your, your hope in, in terms of impacting the next generation? Like, What would you want students to get from uh, the faith, uh, politics, and economic center that you were leading at Wheaton College? So I, I would want them to understand that, that uh, you can be a Christian business person, you can be a Christian lawyer, uh, a Christian banker, teacher, and have the same kingdom impact as you would as a full-time minister or missionary. Mm. Uh, we're, we're hugely supportive of the Faith at Work movement. Mm, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I'm saying this as a son of missionaries and uh, son of a Baptist preacher who has started <laughs> yeah. his career as a... Yeah. You know, as a missionary, mm. it, God, God bless people who do that work. But the vast majority of us are not going to be doing that work. God's going to call us to our communities. Mm-hmm. He's going to call us to the different work uh, sectors. And we need to be out, outstanding and excellent in our work. And we need to be ethical in our work. And we need to represent Christ at our work. Uh, and I think we can have as much kingdom impact doing that as we can, uh, you know, doing, you know, being a minister in a church, for example. You know, what... I, I think as I listen to you, David, and as I sense a little bit about your upbringing, raised trilingual, tricultural, Panama, New Mexico, um, how has some of that influenced or sh- shaped the way that you now impact people, the various roles that you have? You, you bring a bit of a unique um, kind of a heritage to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, c- could right. you? We, we have a couple minutes before our break. Could you speak into that a little bit? Yeah, so so I know you know there's a there's a phrase called a global south that people just started using just a few years ago. Yeah. Um, I I knew what that was because I was born in it. I right. mean, my, right. my, my 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 dad was an indigenous missionary and went back to his own people. He was educated in the U.S., hmm. but he 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 knows what the global south was about because he was born and raised in it. Hmm. Uh, my uncle and aunt, same thing. Um, you know, I I know that Christ's kingdom is global. It's not restricted to North America and Western Europe. Yeah. Uh, in fact, when you look at where it's booming, where the word, where the Christian message is booming, it's booming in places like Nigeria That's and uh, mm-hmm. you know Brazil um, yeah. and other locations in what used to be uh, the poorer second and third world countries. Right. So so God God is is moving mightily. Uh, in the global south, and my background w- was from the global south, so I understood what that meant. And that's not to say that that God can't use America anymore. Or God can't use uh, Western Europe. Yeah, no, you know, didn't. he he still will. Uh, we we have the financial resources, we have the networks here to help make things happen. But we have partners now in a way that we didn't even a couple of generations ago. Mm. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that, David. Um, We're going to take a quick break soon um, and hear more about uh, Professor David Iglesias' background and even also um, a movie that was potentially based off of him and also his book that he written to as well. So (laughs) we'll we'll get back right with you after that. You're listening to Up Next with Tommy Lee on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. 
Hello, we are back now with another episode of Up Next. Uh, my name is Noah Chung, and uh, we are with co-host Dr. John Feuder and Sandy Hampshire. And our guest today is Professor David Iglesias, who is the director at the Wheaton Center for Faith, Politics, and Economics. Um, David, is there a, a way, as we've kind of heard from you a little bit about your heart for uh, faith and, and, and politics and economics, for our listeners to get in touch with you or hear more about you or what the center is doing? Yes, I would recommend the website uh, FA Politics and Economics. You can find that at wheaton.edu and then just type in in the, um, in the search uh, box Faith, Politics, and Economics. It'll come right up. And you can see uh, what we do. Uh, I think importantly, you can actually see some of our newsletters. Mm. You can see some of the uh, uh, symposia we've hosted here. I'm um, looking at one right now. Uh, we brought in the former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Steve Preston, mm. just a couple of months ago, and he talked about the financial crisis of 2008 because he was there when the housing market collapsed, mm. which helped accelerate the Great Recession. So we bring in speakers like that. Um, so I think if the listeners are interested in seeing what we do, mm-hmm. uh, this is probably the best resource. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Uh, well, I'd love to kind of shift gears and um, ask you a question that I, I'm sure you get asked a lot, which is uh, your time as a civil rights defense attorney, um, and as and you helped defend a Marine in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, that actually inspired the hit movie A Few Good Men. Uh, and I would love to kind of hear about your experience, uh, first of all, with that trial and how, even as a, a Christ follower, kind of what did you experience within that uh, that that trial, and then also with then the success of the movie, how did that lead um, for you with that and all that kind of popular that came from that? Sure. So uh, I, I don't think I adequately answered a question you asked me just a few minutes ago on on how my faith impacts on what I've done as a lawyer. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think lawyers can address the issue of justice in a very direct way that a lot of people don't have the ability to. Mm. I mean, when you're representing somebody who's being prosecuted, your job is to get the best possible outcome, whether that could be pleading guilty or working out a deal or going to trial because Mm. you you believe that the government uh, has a weak case, doesn't have the right evidence, then that's your obligation. We serve a God of justice. And scripture is clear that God loves justice. So as a lawyer, you have the ability, especially as a trial lawyer, uh, representing people with, with problems. So as a brand-new Navy JAG, my job was to represent uh, Marines and sailors who were being court-martialed. And the word court-martial is nothing more than being prosecuted within the military court system. Mm-hmm. And some of the offenses are uniquely military, like uh, being gone without leave, uh, deserting, uh, disrespect to a senior officer, things like that. Others are, are more general, like arson, murder, Mm. aggravated assault, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, my first year as a lawyer, I had an opportunity to go to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. That's where our oldest overseas uh, military base is. It's Mm -hmm. been there since, I think, 1902. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the Marines had been guarding it, and they had what was called, in the movie A Few Good Men, and in the actual case, a code red. A code red meant hazing, uh, officially or semi-officially sanctioned hazing of a Marine to get his attention, to get him with the program, so to speak. Mm. And in, in, in that case, the Marine uh, had a bad attitude. He was not using a chain of command. He had uh, unregulated hair, which for the Marines are a big deal. 
because they're very much uh, into uh, a specific hairstyle, very, very short. Um, and my job was to defend uh, one of the Marines accused of, of assaulting him. So the, the original case involved 10 Marines because they, they jumped him and uh, gave him a haircut, uh, did not intend to hurt him, but in the process almost killed him. Mm-hmm. And in the movie he dies, in the real case he actually lived. Oh, wow. Oh. So the, the, the base big difference. officer... Mm-hmm. Yeah, big, you know, big difference there. Yeah. Uh, mm. But the the commanding officer of the base offered a deal and said, if, if you uh, plead guilty, we'll let you out of the Marine Corps uh, and you can go home. Well, my client and two others said, we, we will not take the deal. We did not intend to hurt the victim um, and we were ordered to do the code red. Yeah. So we went to trial with the defense was obedience to orders. And what I did not know, and this is God's hand in all this, is one of the 10 original Marines was Lieutenant Debbie Sorkin, whose younger brother, Aaron Sorkin, was a struggling playwright. She gave the transcript of the original hearing to her brother, who wrote a terrific screenplay on this actual incident. And again, God blessed me with this case, because here we are 30 years later talking about yeah. this old case. Wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> But it was such a great movie. I mean, it was well acted, well written. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a quality production. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, God, God put me in the place. Uh, he, he gave me prominence in a way that I, I didn't even know was possible as a 27-year-old lawyer. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, you are listening to Up Next on AM 1160. Uh, I'm Noah, and my co-hosts today are Dr. John Feuder and Sandy Hampshire, and our guest today is Professor David Iglesias. Sandy, you had a question to follow up? Yeah, D- David, I'm curious, and uh, you know, I don't know how much of this you can share, but have there been times in your career where you were pressured to do something that maybe didn't sit with you well uh, morally? And, and if so, what did you do in that situation? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I can think of one, one big time in which that happened. Uh, this is years later. I was out of the Navy um, uh, in the full-time status. I was, I, was, I was a reservist for 20 years. But one of the jobs I had as a civilian was I was appointed by President Bush to be the United States attorney for my home state of New Mexico. Wow. Um, and uh, U.S. attorneys have a tremendous amount of power. They prosecute people in federal court. They go after members of Congress, uh, wealthy people in addition to, you know, people who come across the border illegally. I mean, they, they do everything that's federal. Um, and I had a situation in which uh, the FBI was investigating um, a very prominent uh, former politician, um, and the timing was such that if, if I let the political establishment know that, which was not, not appropriate, um, that could be used politically, which, which I knew I could not do. So I received two phone calls, one from, one from a U.S. senator and one from a congresswoman snooping around about, about this supposed investigation. I couldn't give them what they wanted, and as a result, I mean, I, they, they tried to compromise me in my wow. position by giving confidential information, which could be used politically. Wow. I didn't give them what they wanted, and as a result, I was one of seven United States attorneys that were fired uh, at the uh, end of the first Bush administration. Wow. Uh, so back in 07, um, I'm sorry, the second term of the Bush ad- administration. Yeah. So that that was something that I, I, I could have compromised uh, my faith. I could have compromised my ethics. I didn't, and, and, I, and I paid the price for it. So to bring it forward, I talked to my students about we all know we get in trouble for doing the wrong thing, <laughs> but sometimes we get in trouble for doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm trying to let them know 
you know, make sure your 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 faith is strong, your ethics are strong, mm-hmm. and you always do the right thing despite the consequences. Yeah. Wow, those are the kind of things you pour into your students. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Hey, David, we've got a couple minutes left here, and I'm, I'm just thinking of all the things that you've done over the years, and I know there's many more years to do them, uh, military, legal, politics, a prof now at Wheaton. Um what what are the things that you would say are are the most deeply satisfying to you? I I don't know if I want to use the word proud of because God obviously is orchestrating the details of your mm-hmm. life as we listen. But the things that you truly celebrate and um, uh, in a way your legacy, I guess, things that you'd want to pass on. What what might that look like? Uh, I would say one thing is. Um just serving our country, uh, we're, we're in a place where very few of our national leaders have, have served our country in the armed forces. Uh, and, you know, I think a lot of people think, well, if I join the military, I have to pick up a gun and shoot people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there, there, there is a small cadre of war fighters that do that, but most of our military are in the support capacity. Um, and we, we need young Americans to give back to this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, since the mandatory draft went away, We've got two generations now that don't really understand what our military folks do. God, God gave me the ability to understand in a very graphic way, in a very real way. I mean, the Navy sent me to Africa and the Middle East and Asia and Latin America multiple times. So I've seen the world. I've seen uh, the, the U.S. You know, trying to maintain order. Mm. So, I, so I would say that I, I'm deeply appreciative of God giving me the ability to do that. Uh, and I think, secondly, um, when I had this opportunity to compromise myself and maybe gain politically, yeah. it was just second nature that, that I, I couldn't give them what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, God prepared my heart for that uh, in a way so when it happened, I didn't have to think. I just reacted. I love that. Yeah. Um, so, so I would say, you know, that, that was a really good thing in my life. And even though it was painful to be out of work, it was painful to be fired. It was painful mm. to have it on the front page of the newspaper. Sure. It was embarrassing. It was scary, frankly, to not be able to, uh, to, uh, to have health insurance for my family of yeah. four kids. You know? yeah. mm. But God protected us, you know, mm. um, people have gone thousands of years without health insurance and God has protected his people. So <laughs> amen, brother. Yeah. So, you know, God kept us safe. Uh, he, he gave me a platform. Uh, he gave me the, the ability to speak, hopefully clearly and convincingly. Mm. So God gave me, a, he gave me a podium, and I was able to use that. So I was really happy for, for that also. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, David, for your time. Um, so good. Um, yeah, we are, we are out of time, and uh, we are just ending our uh, interview with David Iglesias, who is a professor at Wheaton College. And... And we look forward to hearing um, from you later on. And thank you so much for your listeners. Uh, and we hope to um, talk to you again later. Thanks, Thanks David. Thank, thank you, for you your, David. Thank you for your service. Yeah, too. God bless you, brother. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank Thanks. you. You've been listening to Up Next with host Tommy Lee, getting to know another influential leader. To hear past episodes, visit upnext.city. That's upnext.city. Join Tommy for Up Next, Saturdays at 3.30 on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.